Hey there, this is Unburdened by Hope, the podcast that helps you harness your possibility and fuel your purpose. I'm your host, Erin Cummings. Here, we're breaking free from the chains of hope and unlocking the power of inspiration within. Get ready to ignite your soul because we're diving deep into the art of letting go, embracing the unknown, and creating a life unburdened by the limitations of hope. Together, we'll uncover the secrets to finding purpose, fueling our passions, and crafting a vibrant existence that sets our hearts on fire. So, are you ready to burn down what's no longer serving you and step into a life driven by possibility? Let's dive in, my friends, and unleash our boundless potential. Hey everyone, we are back with another episode of Unburdened by Hope. Welcome to February. Um, I just want to get some housekeeping stuff out of the way. So I'm super excited. I just launched a brand new weekly Wednesday free newsletter. Um, If you are an entrepreneur and you have an entrepreneurial mindset, plus you are interested in mindfulness and just a way to create some accountability for your mental health and your overall well-being in your life, I have a new newsletter just for you. I will put the link in the show notes so you have it. Subscribe. It's free. I send a little entrepreneur on mindfulness exercise to you every week. So um, if you're interested in that, feel free to subscribe. You will not get yoga emails, just those, just so you know. So if you're also already getting yoga emails, you will also have to subscribe to this because it is, I have it all separate in the software. This month is all, I kind of have the month theme of the podcast all about passion and purpose. Um, Since it's February, you know, heart and love. I have another uh, podcast guest coming at you next week. Her name is Emily. She's a friend of mine. She um, owned and operated a company called The Guild here in the suburbs of Houston in Richmond. She closed her business during COVID with just a bunch of stuff that, you know, happened, um, including losing her father. Uh, So we talk a lot about that. And then she is super creative. And so what I love about the conversation is her going from like passion, purpose, creativity, and like really kind of feeling like she lost it and then evolving her company even more again. It's such a fun conversation. She's just honestly a hilarious and fun person to hang out with. You might see her if you frequent Blockhouse Coffee ever. But the other thing I want to talk about February is this month is also, I would say, a pretty big month for myself um, and my personal mental health. Most of you know that my dad was in a pretty horrific motorcycle accident uh, now about five years ago. And I was diagnosed with pretty severe PTSD after that had happened, um, just in the caretaking of all of it. And so this month does weigh pretty heavy on me and like my mental load. As I go through this month of podcasting, I'll kind of, you know, do some touch points and stuff. But if you ever experience anything like that, I highly suggest finding a therapist, getting help, asking for help. You are not a lesser than person because you have a mental health problem. It is truly something that we all struggle with. And um, if you ever need support, please reach out. I would love to talk to you about my journey. So this week, uh, I thought it would be fun to talk about the topic of does following your passion actually equal success? And I think there's a lot of like, There's a lot of like drama and like pushiness and chatter always like you should follow your heart and, you know, like follow your heart and it will lead you to success and just 
you know, just do what you want and what you love and things will work out. And I think those are all (laughs) in the circle of hope, which is, you know, what this podcast is about is being like unburdened by it and actually like doing something and taking action in your life instead of just like waiting around and hoping for things. I think for a lot of of those super successful people, like you're talking Bill Gates, Oprah, you know, these like high, 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 high level people, there are elements of having that spark, that thing. There's also a lot of like right place, right time. I don't like to use the term lucky. I don't think that that's like... I don't know. I think it's a weird thing to say when someone's like, oh, you know, you have this. And someone answers or like, oh, I'm just really lucky. And I'm like, yeah, well, like, I think that's weird. <laughs> but I guess I don't know how else you would answer like right place, right time. Or, you know, this is just how my life worked out. I, I don't really know. I do think it's really interesting to have this like dichotomy of like people who really dove headfirst into their passion and purpose and became really successful. And then you have a ton of people that are really successful, but it's not because they are successful in their passion and purpose. And just so we're clear, right now, in those sentences, in those moments, success for a lot of people is defined by money and by payroll and by income and by things, like external things of like haves, like I have this, so I am successful or I don't have this, meaning I am not successful. Um, And I think that key point in itself is something that like we all, including me, have had to look at in my own business, in my own life, in my own family. Like what does success actually look like and what does it really mean and how can I like how do I track it without it being financial? Because there are other things in life besides like money. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if you know this. So there's this really awesome book that I read a few years ago uh, by her name is Angela Duckworth. And she wrote a book called Grit. And I will tell you this book is she's a chunky book. There's a lot of stuff in it. But what it talks about is really like the difference in just being naturally talented and also working really hard to become good at something when you're not really talented. And then the middle of that, which is I'm a little bit talented, but I also worked really hard. And how can I like follow the path that I'm on? And I think that's like where this concept comes in of like passion and purpose and success. So there's a quote in her book that says, passion for your work is a little bit of discovery followed by a lot of development and then a lifetime of deepening. I think that's the thing is like that I always have to remind myself is like, just because someone is successful, it usually is not an overnight sensation. I think it's really funny. Um, you know, like the Stanley Cup thing everyone's talking about, like that company has been around for like a hundred years. I don't think the creator of Stanley Cup was like passionate about like drinkware or like 
green thermoses. I'm sure that just like happened. But, you know, they changed a little bit of their marketing. They added some new colors. It became a viral TikTok sensation. And now they have grown like a hundred plus million dollars in the matter of five years by just changing a few things up. That company has been around for a hundred plus years. So like it takes something to get to the next level. And Sometimes you just don't know what it is and it might be passion, it might be purpose, and it might just be (laughs) something else. Like it might just be something else. The big thing I think that if you're going to take away something from this podcast and you stop hoping and you want to change something, it's defining what success means. Take your hobbies, for example. I love to cook. I do. I really love to cook. I used to really like to bake. (laughs) I feel like this is such a good, simple uh, way to uh, define this concept. So I love to cook. I love to bake. Most of you may or may not know um, that I do have severe food allergies. I've been diagnosed with celiac disease. um, So I am gluten-free. And then I am also very, very allergic to dairy. I'm actually allergic to the milk protein where most people are like uh, lactose intolerant, which is like the milk sugars, like make your belly upset. Mine is the actual like protein in the milk. So no butter, no fun stuff. So baking is fucking chemistry and it, it is very, very challenging. And some people are naturally good at baking and they can just like throw stuff together. Um, being a rebellious person at heart. I prefer cooking because I don't have to follow the recipe exactly, which in baking you do. It's very, very, very calculated and measured. And like, don't put one gram more of flour or you will screw this whole cake up. So I, (laughs) it's true. If you're a baker, you're like, yes, I have obviously being now gluten-free and dairy-free, baking something as simple as a cake has become very challenging. And then let's just throw on top of this, my son is also exceedingly allergic to eggs. So now my baking has to be gluten-free and vegan. So a little like sidebar comment. If you're gluten-free, like you know most things that are gluten-free, the binding contains eggs because there's not much to like hold those type of things together. You need something super sticky like an egg so that the cracker, the cake, the whatever doesn't fall apart. Once again, chemistry. So I... Like I said, I love to bake. When my son was really little, I would, when I started staying at home with him, I had quit my corporate real estate job, became a stay at home mom, and I was so bored at home. I would just, I, that's when I kind of went into the throes of creativity, my passion. I love to be creative. I love to do, I love to get my brain to work, all of that kind of stuff. So I would, I taught myself how to bake how to make macarons and um, I would make cupcakes. My poor husband, he was taking like dozens of cupcakes and macarons to work like every week because I just like, I was trying to teach myself, actually I was baking, but then I was trying to teach myself how to properly like do piped icing. So make like fun decorations on the cake, like with flowers and whatever. And this was also, you know, at a time when, you know, like Top Chef and like these baking shows were on and I was like, in the thralls of breastfeeding and pumping. And so I would just sit and watch these like insane chefs like do their like 
amazing thing and show their talents. And I'm like, oh my God, I have to try that, right? So I would put my son down for a nap and I would like get to work in the kitchen and bake and cook and do all this kind of stuff. I was learning how to pipe flowers, like in a piping bag, different colors, whatever. And I would send them off with my husband to, to work. I got really good at it. You know, buttercream icing, if you haven't ever made it from scratch, it's actually really challenging because it's like the temperature of the butter needs to be a certain way. And you can't over mix it and you can't pour in like a really cold, uh, heavy cream or milk or milk substitute in the now room temperature whipped butter, or it just like curdles everything together. Like it is a science. All this, all this baking shit is a science. And so I did a lot of like trial and error with all of it. And then boom, life happened. I now have these two allergies that I hadn't ever had before. And then my son developed his allergy. And so his first birthday, I had a friend who was doing cakes at the time, like make this really awesome cake. Cause I didn't work with fondant. I had never tried fondant. I have now tried it a few times in my life and I do like the cheap marshmallow method, but that is so hard. It's like being a clay sculptor, but just with like edible clay. It's insane. So she made a cake. My son ate it, puked it up at his first birthday. And then we're like, uh, come to realize a few months later, he's actually allergic to eggs. So I then decided I was too freaked out to like have someone else make a cake because this was like, I don't know, my son's 12 now. So this is 11 years ago. It's not when being vegan or dairy-free or gluten-free or egg-free was easy or readily available. So I decided to take it upon myself that I was going to now make birthday cakes for my kids. So I've since then since my son turned two and then every other birthday after, and then same thing with my daughter, I have always made their birthday cakes. So fast forward to this year, my kids, you know, birthday time, their birthdays are in December. I was like, okay, I need to figure out how to make a cake. And usually what happens is I always have like a big dream of finally ordering a cake for them. And then it's like the day before and I'm like, shit, I never ordered a birthday cake. Who can make me? a birthday cake that's like this thing in one day. Uh, No one. This year I decided we're making the cake. Here we go. So that everyone in our family can enjoy the cake and I don't have to make 10 different things. You know, I always make a gluten-free, egg-free, dairy-free cake. Okay. So it is really hard to do. If you make it from scratch, honestly, the chocolate cakes are like way more consistently better than like a vanilla. The vanilla, it's like so... It's either overly dense or it's like very... Uh, I don't even know. Like if, if you eat gluten-free, like you totally understand. It's just... It's got a, such a different texture than like a nice proper sponge cake from British Baking Show. A Mary Berry sponge cake from British Baking Show. It is quite different. So I decided this year to have a successful birthday cake that like all the kids are going to eat, that I'm going to eat, that my friends or my kids' friends are going to eat, and that my kids are going to eat, I was just going to use a box cake. Because I always, no offense to anyone out there, I always made my cakes from scratch. And I always prided myself and thought it was successful of me to have made 
these cakes, these GF vegan cakes from scratch, and they would always turn out like, okay. But I was like in the throes of like, I'm passionate about cooking. I'm dead set on doing this. If I'm successful in this, I have to make this cake from scratch. And then this year, it was like, oh my God, I don't want my poor 12-year-old and all of his friends to eat a crappy, (laughs) gluten-free vegan cake that just everyone is like, oh my God, what? And on top of that, I'm also, you know, like all these other kids, like their parents buy them these like beautiful little cakes. And then here comes my kid's cake with my like hand ice decorating on them. But um, this year I decided, all right, I'm doing a box gluten-free cake. And you know what? They turned out honestly really great. And I'm going to take it as a compliment that one of my son's 12-year-old friends was like, you know, you can't even tell this like doesn't... Ha- it's not so bad without eggs. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> like, thank you, uh, 12-year-old kid for your... Paul Hollywood uh, assessment of my cake. But yeah, I just, I think in, in like, this is such a, ba- like, so basic of an example of like following your passion, but like doing it in a way that's like successful to you. You don't have to follow your passion and have a job like that you're super passionate about. I think if you want to like live and have money, sometimes your job just has to be a job. And I think that's okay. There's so much pressure to be doing what you love and then have it be work. But then you're doing what you love and you have it be work. And then people are mad because you're working all the time, but it's something you love. And there's it's just this constant cycle of like doing too much and not enough and doing what you love and being successful, but you're not successful, but you're working too much and you're not working enough and like pump the brakes. I think it's okay to have a job. And I think it's okay to have a job that you're passionate about. And I think it's okay to have a job that you're not passionate about, but you're good at. And I think it's okay to have a job that like pays the bills and that you show up you go to, I think it's not okay to show up to a job that you absolutely hate. That's also not working for your life. I think that's like, if you're going to pull anything out, it's like, okay, don't, don't do that one. But you know, this week, as you're like moving throughout your week, I think it's important to, if there are things that you're passionate about doing, but you're like judging yourself so hard, it's maybe just that those moments of like redefining what's actually successful because those moments of success truly change based on like where you're at and in your life, like the day, the time, like what's going on around you. Because like from when my dad was in the hospital, for instance, the successful days for me were like, did I go to the hospital to check on my dad? And did I come home and see my family? Like two, I only had to do two things that day. Like everything else, I didn't care if I made dinner. I didn't care if I worked. I didn't care if I talked to friends. Like it was like the two things I was focused on, well, really one were my family. And I think that that's okay. Like that is okay. And having those definitions of like, how can I be successful today is like, is it making my bed? What are things that I will actually do today that make me feel successful is such a good action tool and question to if you're going to journal, meditate, what 
think about it, you know, whatever it may be, defining success is the number one way that will help you truly like kind of take that step back from being so overloaded and overwhelmed and not having it be financial. I think there's also, I mean, if you have financial goals, I think that's also amazing. Um, I mean, honestly, all of us do, but I think having successful goals that are not financial also just helps take the pressure off of making sure you're making the same amount of money as everyone else and what's on social media. And you know, this goes back to all of that like very curated social media posts where it's like, well, I'm never going to have what she has. But it's like, you know, well, how can you actually be successful and where you are right now? And that might just look like, did I organize my closet? Did I put my clothes on my hanger? Like, I think having tiny moments of successes in your everyday is much more important than like making sure that your job completely lines up with all of your <laughs> like never do I ever want to be a baker. You know what I mean? Like I I would love to maybe shadow a chef in a kitchen, but like I'm passionate about cooking, but I don't want to make that my job. You know, and I I think that now it's like I I can be passionate about baking and watch baking shows and look at beautiful you know, pictures and on social media about baked goods and order baked goods at restaurants. But like, I am, I am no longer going to put the pressure on myself to make a gluten-free vegan cake from scratch twice a year, really three times a year, including my own or even my husband's birthday. Like it's too much. That is that pressure is not successful. The impact of like, making sure it's all done and knowing it's going to be okay, that to me is really like part of the definition of success. So as you're moving throughout your week, I really encourage you to like focus on the realities of success. Like it's about like the skill set, the hard work, the way you actually adapt your passion, the way that you adapt your success to what's going on in your life. I think that is the key difference in showing up and quote unquote, is passion equal to success? Let me know if this resonates with you. Um, you know, I, I just, there's so many of us that have so much like weight on our shoulders with things that we want to accomplish and do and what's expected of us. And, you know, taking that off and looking at it and just saying like, well, what do I actually want? And what is actually successful to me is such a powerful tool to help you like pull back and just take pause in your life. So um, I hope you have an amazing rest of your week. Uh, Fuck waiting around. Fuck hope. Just redefine success in a way that works for you. And uh, stay courageous, capable, and strong. And I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Unburdened by Hope. Go to your favorite podcast app, hit that subscribe button, and leave us a review. If you've got something out of our show, I'd love to hear from you. Send me your favorite takeaway or any questions you may have to info at aaroncummings.com. You may even just hear the answer in a future episode. Remember, you are courageous, you are capable, you are strong. It's up to you to create what's possible.